All right, hello and welcome to the Regenerative Mindset with your hosts, Rye Seekins, that's me. And Miles Adams, that's me. Awesome. So um, we really wanted to create this podcast to kind of share the hype and the energy that we have about regenerative agriculture, regenerative practices that restore the land, restore communities, restore people's health. Um, so kind of the general format of this podcast is we'll be watching a couple of great YouTube videos every week, a couple of great pieces of media, and uh, we'll talk about them and kind of share our energy and what they make us think of and why they're inspiring to us. So to kind of kick this off, um, Miles, like, how'd you get into this? How'd you get into, like, learning about regenerative agriculture? Um, regenerative agriculture was really introduced to me just through, like, Netflix documentaries and and kind of movies and stuff. Um, Little Big Farm was a, a pretty big one for me. Um, and on top of that, just with, with Montessori School and everything, we have a, a lot of experience with gardening and trying to like think about how to live more sustainably. So once I saw these these regenerative farming videos, something clicked and that was that was really interesting for me. Nice. Yeah. So but it was mainly just um my own experience gardening and then like movies that actually gave it a name, regenerative farming and kind of showed me the the potential of the whole thing, you know? Totally, totally. I I feel pretty similarly. Like, uh, also coming up at Montessori school, uh, doing a lot of gardening. I always thought it was cool, but I didn't really put it together in the whole system. And then um, I'd say the start of my journey was really when you when you recommended the biggest little farm to me, and I was like, "Damn, we can do it right. That's incredible." And uh, yeah, I was really inspired by that, and then just a bunch of learning from books and pieces of media people have put out. Um, Next question, why do you think this is important? Um, I think this is important for, for many reasons. Probably the biggest one being the climate crisis we currently face. Um, Huge. We've learned that regenerative farming has the ability to sequester large amounts of carbon from the atmosphere and put them into the soil naturally without any technology or anything that we thought we might need um, enable. Uh, in order to do this but also it just kind of makes sense um logically to me kind of working with nature and trying to establish that natural balance of the ecosystem um i don't know it just it clicked in my mind and it made, it made total sense rather than fighting yeah so, uh, would you say that's a major tenet of like regenerative practices is like kind of going with how nature would do things? One hundred percent. I think, I think that's almost the uh, the point of it is trying to establish this natural balance in the ecosystem where you can kind of sit back and watch things happen. Um, but I think our role as humans is to just kind of guide it in the right direction, and eventually, it'll it'll happen. I know a lot of people when they uh, when they think about global warming and they think about um, kind of changing our farming practices, they feel like it's going to be full of compromises. We're going to have to move back, use less, eat less. Um, do you feel like regenerative farming is a compromise solution? I don't think so. Um, I think 
maybe maybe you won't be able to produce on the same just giant scale that a lot of single monoculture monoculture like farms do but i think rather than that being a setback i think it's helping restore small farms and like almost a community aspect of of farming which has been gone for a while um where you're just trying to feed a small group your general community rather than like sell a mass amount of plants to grocery stores totally i absolutely see it that way too it'll help us kind of get back to a way that it could be done that's a lot healthier for everybody around like building the communities and in that way um kids and people of the community can know more directly where their food comes from and um, a deeper connection with it as well yeah i feel like another big theme through all this is like the cyclic nature the cyclical nature of consumption versus the linear nature of consumption Mm -hmm. so that would be like the linear nature of like a linear consumption path would be like um you mine oil out of the earth, you produce it into plastic, somebody drinks water out of it, that plastic goes into the trash. So it's like, goes through a line. But, yeah. a, uh, but a cyclical version would be... Uh, like, You're putting everything back into the earth that you take out of it, almost. Right. And even in a yeah. way that it can like almost get healthier every year, almost bring more in. Like nature is yeah. full of those circular cycles. Like a tree that grows and then dies falls to the earth and like enriches the soil for more trees to grow healthily. Um, yeah, and I feel like this the cyclical cycle is just kind of the idea of like sustainability. You're able to do this every year without draining natural resources. Instead, you're actually putting more natural resources into the earth. So I think in order to be a long, long-term, like, functioning society, we need to be cyclical rather than, than linear, because linear, obviously, at some point comes to an end. Yeah, yeah. Um, awesome. Well, you want to get into this week's video? All right, yeah. Okay, so, um, yeah, you want you introduce. You got it. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, so... This week's video, linked in the description of the podcast, is um, India's Permaculture Revolution Number 2 by Andrew Millison. Andrew Millison's a permaculture instructor. He went to India to uh, document the actions of this foundation called the Pawnee Foundation. And um, they've hosted a water cup between a bunch of rural Indian villages, all encouraging them and giving them funding and, and knowledge to uh, build water harvesting earthworks and that's a huge part of these regenerative practices are these water harvesting earthworks and um, they have like the magical effects of returning water to the land collecting a lot of water and so that springs run all year um yeah so basically in these in these small villages um they get about three months of rainfall and in Velu, it's like uh, eight to 12 inches in this three month period. And then they might not get any rain for the rest of the rest of the year entirely. So the big problem they were facing is they, they get enough water to sustain their village, but it's all in one period. So the majority of that water is lost through runoff 
and, and floods and stuff. So the whole idea behind the water cup was to find ways to naturally retain that water and be able to use it for the other nine months of the year where it often gets really dry. Yes, absolutely. So that's when the water comes down and the rainfall, it, uh, it doesn't get a chance to soak up into the land and it, it just runs right off. And um, so that, that water is just being wasted, just being returned right to the ocean. But through these earthworks, these people um, devised a way to return it to the spring water, to the, to the wells underneath the city, underneath the village, yeah. which helps crops and, um, and plants grow. So you know, what are the benefits? Can you tell us some more about the benefits of uh, having that water in the watersheds? Oh, yeah. Um, well, you, you mentioned the bore wells and, um, and like drilling into the water table. And that was really the only source of water. Um, in these nine months where they don't get they don't get rain and so since everyone is using that water it gets depleted really quickly and with all this water running off it doesn't really get restored so by by slowing down the water and making it percolate into the soil it then returns to the the water table where you have access to it for the rest of the year yeah, and before we get into why that's so awesome to have all that water there, um, let's talk about what these earthworks actually are. Okay, yeah, no, um, they use um, contour trenches, basically on the uh, hills and mountains around them, um, so that when the water falls, doesn't just go straight down the mountain, they're horizontally dug trenches that just, the idea is to slow down the water. Um and what do you mean by like on contour? Um, they're just they're just trenches dug horizontally or perpendicular with the water flow, so that the water can't just go straight down the mountain. Is that, is that what you were looking for? Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. totally. And so like if they're coming down the mountain, instead of just like continuing down the face of the mountain, there's like a dip, so that it falls into here, and then. Because this is on contour, there's no like height change in this. It stays flat right here and gives an opportunity to soak in instead of flowing in any particular direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it just kind of pools <clears throat> up the water um, down the mountain. Um, and it, it doesn't all just leave a little bit at least gets to percolate. Um, the water does overflow these trenches, obviously, but it still does a pretty good job of slowing them down. Um, totally. Another another um, tool they used were these percolation like palms. So once you get off of the the super hilly regions, you have these kind of big almost reservoirs that the water drains into, and that's kind of the start or the head of the rivers that lead down um, to other villages. So rather than than just letting the water go to these tanks overflow, and then go down into the river they um they actually built up their ponds to store more water um and in the video they had a, a major percolation pond um but it's accidentally built on bedrock so the water is just kind of stagnant and it's not able to really percolate into the water table um and this one it would stay full all year but when the monsoons would come, um, it would overflow and lose almost all of the uh, 
the monsoon rain into the into the river so what they did is they built up the um, the spillway with with dirt and they just raised the level um, and then on the far side they uh, built a gate that ran into a um, underwater pipe which used gravity to um, bring water to other ponds that were much closer to the village and had a much smaller watershed um, but actually could could truly percolate into the water table so cool and um, so for those percolation ponds that's the water being able to sit on porous dirt so that the water can soak into the water table um, there's no plastic sheets or anything involved to protect those ponds Mm-mm. no yeah it's just it's all about drainage draining into the ground yeah okay so now that we have a a water table that gets filled up that collects all these monsoon rains instead of the monsoon rains just flowing off into the ocean what kind of benefits to like the people in the land see for for that water collection um i mean other than restoring a very depleted water table and um just because at some point in the in the dry season, these wells would, would run out fully and they would have to bus in water, which is very expensive and um, definitely not sustainable. Um, yeah, and that's like money leaving the community too. And, yeah, uh, exactly. They also um, told stories of like villagers who, when they run out of water, they can't, can't grow crops that they're, uh, in their village anymore, so they become migrant laborers, which mm-hmm. is... Um, a tough existence and you like move away from your community yeah and they these these farmers would move to the big cities and work for the dry season and then then come back with the monsoons and even though they weren't making making much as migrant laborers they still make more than they would not being able to grow anything um so this water table just kind of makes year year round growing a lot easier um and the fields can can sustain crops um, year round. I forgot what what crops they um, they grew, but actually many many villagers who had like permanently left the village, they talked about them also coming back and helping with the uh, the whole the whole contest as well as just being able to farm afterwards. You know. Yes. I feel like this is such a huge point, restoring the land. I, I can't hear you. I feel like this is such a huge point, restoring the land to be uh, and to be so able to be used by all these people um, mm-hmm. to produce food off and as a place to like build community. Yeah. Um, what about some of like the non-human effects, like wildlife? And- oh, they did. They did talk a little bit about. Um- birds and i think he said i just focused for a minute um on just the sound of the birds and all that and that was really nice um and those birds didn't like weren't there before weren't no there before. yeah they, they came back with the water just almost like um some of the some of the villagers in the community um and another another interesting thing just community wise is it's so amazing how it, the entire project took 
like teamwork of the entire community and everyone had to work together um but it also benefits everyone not just a few people um the whole community is much more lively and it's, it's thriving now in the video you can see totally yeah. it reminds me of like I feel like sometimes we get tripped up thinking that we can do everything alone and take care of ourselves alone. But we really, like, we share so much of our existence, like, and in our place that's so obvious and in our world that's so obvious. So, like, um, it just points out how connected we are in that. And um, kind of back, zooming out of this exact video, but talking about regenerative practices again, this inspires me so much not to, like, it gives me a uh, gives me material so that I can say I'm I'm not just gonna sit back and watch our world burn, watch our wells dry up, you know. That I I'm gonna gonna learn about and apply and inspire people to apply these practices that actually make the land healthier every year, so that we don't have to sit yeah. back and watch it degrade. And this is this is one small village increasing the. Uh the quality of life, not just for themselves, but for, for many villages downstream of them also. Um, because they're healing that. the water table that goes all the way down? Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, it's the water tables are, you know, Edwards, Edwards Aquifer, Aquifer in, in Austin is pretty massive. Um, it's, it's similar, the similar concepts. Totally. It's not the same. So... Yeah. <laughs> This doesn't hurt, um, does this steal from anyone else? No, because the water would, would go into, um, to streams, that would go into rivers, that would just go into the ocean. Yeah. Um, and even those rivers and, would flood and possibly damage people's houses and croplands yeah. and things like that. Yeah, no. There's, there's big monsoon floods, especially on the, the larger rivers. So, isn't it incredible that, um... Uh, through like paying attention to the earth and, and learning about how we could about how water tables work and building earthworks that contribute to those water tables um we can steal from no one heal a community and the com communities down the line and not just the people not just their uh not just their financial health but their community health and their physical health and mm -hmm. not just the people but also all the wildlife and the land yeah it affects the entire ecosystem you don't think about yourself being given that rainfall mm. because it, it almost disappears after, after the flood. You think about the flood being a natural, a natural, um, disaster even. Yeah. It's just kind of, it happens with the monsoons, but also you can naturally kind of stem this or like reduce this. And you have so much to gain from that almost. Totally. Um, it's, I don't know. We think about a lot of things in, um, in nature as like kind of us versus nature. We have to, to withstand that or we have to like just live through it. But if you look on the, the bright side and say, how can I, can I gain from this? There's actually a lot to be, a lot to be gained, you know? Totally. Yeah. Totally. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks everybody for tuning in to our first episode of the regenerative mindset. Any closing yeah. thoughts, Monos? Yeah.
Um, it's a little, it's a little rough right now, but we'll we'll get it down. Um, we we're learning too, you know, along along with everyone listening, and we kind of just want to give an ear to that that process. We obviously don't know everything or even a lot about origin farming, um, but I think that's kind of the point of this is we're just normal people and we want to make it more accessible to to normal people you know yeah totally totally thank you for that i feel the same